All right. All right. So let's assess how we're doing this morning. Um, for some of us, we showed up this morning and we're doing great. For some of us, it might still be a little too early to tell, according to how much coffee you had. Um, and for others, according to whatever your perspective is this morning, um, 50 things might have already gone wrong. So, you know, we need to start off there with what we woke up to this morning. And the reality is that we all woke up this morning to a broken world. I think even what Terry just shared uh, bears witness to that. And so, um, regardless of whether you woke up this morning um, experiencing the reality of living in a broken world, um, we are all either coming out of a storm, going into a storm, or we are in it right now, presently. So I know that I'm speaking to, I can cover everyone here when we, when we start out that way. So, so how do you deal with the storms of life? Um, how do you respond to pain, sickness, distress, broken relationships, depression, discouragement, grief, loneliness, cancer, disability, and loss. I mean, I think every one of us in here this morning in some way or another is touched by one of these things. And so where, my question is, where do you run for help? Does this relate with anyone? <laughs> I don't know who could relate to this, but... Um, these are the, some of the things that I think we run to. These are common things, whether it be Facebook or the movie or food or wine or exercise or sleep or, as my sister likes to call it, retail therapy, shopping. These are some of the things that we run to that are temporal, but we run to things for help that we believe are going to make us feel better. But I asked this morning, how well do these things deliver? How are they delivering your, your deepest needs? How are they meeting you? Because some of these are good on different levels, but they're not what ultimately will help us. They're not going to help us weather the storms of life, nor are they what Jesus was talking about when he taught us about the wise man who built his house on the rock. The storms came, yet his house did not fall because the foundation was the rock. And so, whether the, we are in the storm, we're coming out of the storm, or one is coming, we have to be people who have the foundation of the rock, not the sand. And these, these things are sand. We have to live, I have to live, you have to live with a constant awareness that these, are, that these things we run to are sand, that they're not our foundation and they're not our rock. Jesus is our rock. So in looking at and experiencing the realities of living in a broken world, our insufficient temporal attempts to satisfy our deepest needs, it's clear that we need more, that we need Jesus. We need his help to face these realities. So the two things I want to talk about this morning are why would Jesus, why would Jesus help us and how does he help us? So we, we, we pretty much know and believe that he's a faithful God but sometimes we're unclear on why. Why does he help us and how does he help us? So this is a familiar verse I think we can start with that we all, um, that we all know, that if you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. 
So I want us to take a second and just think and be honest with ourselves. Do I believe this? Do I believe that I can ask for anything, for healing, for support, for provision? Can I ask for anything in his name and trust that he will do it? Is this your experience? Or is your experience maybe being a little disappointed? A couple of questions I find myself asking and wondering about in moments of need or in challenge or in the midst of a real storm is, is this. Are the things that I think I need help with the things he's promised in Scripture to do? Or what kind of help does God give in this, whatever situation I'm in, and will he give it every time? I would suggest this morning that what we need to be asking first before, you know, what we think is why. I need to remind myself, why does God help me? Why does he answer my prayers? And why does he promise to meet my needs? So why do we pray and why does God answer our prayers for help? That's where we're going to start. And I want these five reasons that we're about to talk about to be somewhat of a filter for us as we think about our realities and as we're praying for them, that these things would be a filter to, um, to take our needs through as we're praying. So reason number one why we should pray for God's help and why he answers our prayers is for his glory. And if you have a, a note sheet there, that would be your, your first little thing to fill in. But reason number one that God answers our prayer is for his glory. John 14 says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son of Man may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. That is a huge promise. That is a huge promise. And so, what did Jesus mean? when he instructed us to pray in his name. And this is important for our Western culture right now because Joel Osteen and those like him are having a heyday with this kind of thing. They're, they've perverted it and they've misinterpreted it and they've packaged it and they're selling it in every country in the world. And it's called the prosperity gospel and it is spreading like a cancer. In his name means three things I'm gonna propose this morning. That this phrase is, is more than what we tack on at the end of our prayer so that we can be, maybe be sure that God heard me. It's like, you know, the amen, it's in your name, Jesus. We're all Southern. Um, it's just kind of what we tack on every prayer we pray in your name. But it's a good thing. But I want us to unpack that a little bit. What does it mean to pray in his name? <clears throat> so right here you can see the first thing, and these are our filters. What does it mean to pray in his name? So I want to ask a question about my, my need or my prayer, my request that I'm taking before God. Does it conform to his character? Does the need that I'm asking for conform to his character? I'll give you an example of this. And it's a really common sense one, but God is not going to help you rob a bank. So praying for God to help you rob a bank is a, is a good example of n not praying something that's not in line of, with his character. 
but he can help you with your finances or with your provision, what you need. Um, does it line up with his authority or submit to his authority and his lordship? So I know we have some single girls in here. I'm going to use this as an example, but praying for a relationship that you're in where you are unequally yoked with a non-believer does not line up with God's lordship or his authority. So that's an example of that. And I can ask, you know, when I'm praying this way, is what I'm asking for, is it promoting my independence, my agenda, or does it line up with his authority? Does it line up with his word? Another filter is, does it line up with his cause or his interest? And remember, all of these things are what it means to pray in his name. So does answering my prayer advance his kingdom or my own? And that's what I mean by cause. Does it advance his kingdom or my own? This is a statement that John Piper likes to make, and you may have heard it, but it's one that you really have to sit and chew on. But he says God is for God. He's not, he is for me, but he's for himself. And in being for himself, that's for my good and my joy. And so in these things, do my request show a greater glory than myself? Do these things um, bring glory to God? these things that I'm asking for. And reason number two, why we want to pray for God's help and why we want him to answer our, and why he answers our prayer is for his kingdom. John 15, 8 says that if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be disciples. And did he say whatever you wish? Like, whatever I want, I can just pray, and he's going to give it. Like, do you see how that could easily be run away with with some of these prosperity gospel preachers? I would submit that, that here, whatever you wish, and it will be given to you, when it's passed through the filter of his character and his authority and his cause, the prayer is changed. And then, and then we bear the fruit that he talks about in the rest of the verse. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And that fruit is that of Galatians 5.22, of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the fruit of showing the world that I'm a follower of Christ. So that's reason number two why I would pray or why we should pray um, for him to answer our prayers and why he does, because he wants his kingdom to be built in us and through us. And reason number three that God answers our prayers, why he does, is Psalm 34. He answers our prayers for help to fulfill our desires. And again, when our prayers are lined up with his character and his authority and his cause, our prayers change, our desires change. And we're more in line with not just what we want, but what with, with what God wants to do in us. And a good way to check, check yourself in this when you're praying for the desires of your heart, when you're starting to pray is, is my prayer exalting him above my need? And that's something to think on when I'm praying. Is the need the highest? 
Is what I'm praying for the highest need or is more of him my highest need? God meeting our needs in and of himself exalts himself in our life and brings him more glory. So all this keeps going back to point number one of why he wants to answer our prayers and give us help. Number four, the number four reason that God answers our prayers is to supply our needs. Philippians 4.19, we're all familiar with this. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. When I try to meet my needs, sometimes I have to ask, am I the the one looking for the glory here versus waiting on God to show up and show off? I like to say it that way. When he shows up in the fray, he shows up and shows off and he gets the glory versus me trying to fix things. And, And the gospel is not a help wanted sign. God does not need my help. The gospel is a help available sign that I'm the one who needs the help and he's the one who has it available. That's the gospel, not that I'm to meet my own needs. Reason number five why God answers our prayers and offers us help is for our peace. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So two things we see here that God is giving us is protection for our minds and protection for our emotions. When we come before his throne of grace with freedom and with confidence, laying our requests before him, giving him our anxieties. He gives us his peace, and that's through protecting our mind and protecting our emotions. And what I have to remember and think through and believe is that when it comes to God answering my prayers, whether his answer is yes, no, or wait, which those are the three answers we usually receive, that the thing that I have to remember is, number one, and you can see the progression here, that he is my father and he cares. As I come to him and I'm praying, he is my father, he cares, he is in heaven, and he is capable. He has all power and authority to meet whatever need I have. So if the answer is no, it's still for my good. If the answer is yes, it's for my good. If it's wait, it's still for my good. And the end result is still thanksgiving and peace, according to this verse. Still thanksgiving and peace. So I have two more reasons we should pray for help. Um, I know these were five, but in case we need two more reasons to motivate us to seek his help through prayer, when you pray, you always get him. It doesn't matter if he answers the way you think he should. When we pray, we always get more of him. And I have these verses for us to talk through, but Psalm 73, 28 says, But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. Not getting every prayer answered or everything I think I need. I have made the Lord my refuge, that I may tell of his wonderful works. Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And James 4, 8. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. 
So when we pray, we can always be fully assured what we're going to get is more of him. And he's the goal. That's a tough place to get to in our faith. I know when I had circumstances in our life and in our family, and, and the Lord really, I mean, me trying to reconcile my theology and my circumstances rocked my world. And getting to this place where we can say, no matter what, he is enough, that, that's maturity in, in the Lord. And he takes us there. And so when we pray, we know we get more of him. And as he just highlighted for us, he is enough. His nearness is enough. The fact that he will come near to us is enough. And reason number two or reason number seven, however we want to look at it here, um, in case we need one more, to motivate us to seek his help. John Piper said this, when you pray, nothing never happens. And I think that's on your, your outline to fill in. But when we pray, we can be assured that nothing never happens. Um, share a personal story really, really quick. Um, when I was 28, I moved overseas and had not really had any thought of being married up until that point. I, was, I had been on the campus for several years, and um, it wasn't for some reason until I got overseas and realized there weren't going to be any prospects that I suddenly decided that I wanted to be married. And so being over there, thinking I'm going to be the next Amy Carmichael and um, single, um, I started praying for a husband, um, praying for God to provide a companion for me. And what I didn't know was that he had a thousand things he was doing that I wasn't even aware of at the time. I was praying my prayer, trusting him, being faithful, doing my, my job on the campus um, with campus outreach. And he was doing a thousand things around me. And I was probably only aware, to be honest, of two or three of them. And that's kind of how we, we all live in the business of our lives. He's doing a thousand things, and we are only aware of two or three. But um, little did I know God had something going on in the background with um, an old friend that I had not seen in six years who was on a blind date in North Carolina. Um, and he saw my picture on the refrigerator, my little missionary prayer card. And it reminded him of me, thankfully. And... And he, he emailed me, and that's how God started our relationship, and that's how I married Josh. So that's just my, my little story of how when we pray, nothing never happens. And even when I can't see what he's doing, it doesn't mean he's not doing anything. And that, that picture of grace in my life has, has been a testimony that I've been able to carry through everything. When I faced my daughter's diagnosis with cerebral palsy, with, with everything, that he works and I wait and I trust him. And so I had seen him be faithful time and time again. And, and Josh is a permanent reminder of his faithfulness when I can't make something happen, but yet he can and he brings what we need when we need it. So, so we've talked about why we should ask for help and why uh, God wants to answer our prayers. The next thing I want to look at is how should I pray? How should I pray and ask God for help? And because I'm so visual, 
um, I have a clip from, I don't know if you've seen the movie, The Bible, that's out, but um, I'm so visual. And I think, I think they may have taken a little bit of liberty here with the calling of Matthew, but it still makes the point. Um, but I wanted us to see visually the contrast that Jesus makes between the Pharisee and the tax collector. And so we're going we're gonna to look at that to see how we should ask for help. So how should we ask for help? With humility. And I think the tax collector gave a very powerful, visible picture of, of humility. So the only way we grow and get more grace or grow and get more of God's help is through humility. If you're a believer, God is committed to get grace to you to helping you, but there's only one way to get it, and it's either going to be through humility or through humiliation. Hebrews 12 tells us that God disciplines those he loves. He disciplines us to get grace to us, to help us. So in humility, we came to Christ, and according to Colossians 2, 6, and 7, it's through humility that we grow in Christ-likeness. Colossians 2, 6, and 7 says, so then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith just as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So we never outgrow humility. That's how we come to the cross, that's how we come to Jesus, and that's how we continue to grow and be sanctified. James 4, 6, 1 Peter 5, 5, Proverbs 3, 34, all say, Luke 8, 14, that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So when I want his help, here's the secret to how to get it. Humility. Laying down your rights, what you think he owes you, what you think you need, and coming before him, telling him that he is enough in, in and of himself, that he's enough, and that I don't deserve anything anyway, you know? When we come before God with that attitude and not one of self-entitlement, I believe it honors him and we get his attention very quickly. So just to recap, when the storms come, we can be confident in why we can ask God for help. And we can be confident in why he wants to offer us help. And we can pray for God's help because now we know how we should ask for help always, no matter what that we can approach his throne of grace with freedom and with confidence, knowing that he wants to and that he's capable and that he will. And so now we're going to break up into our small groups. And there's small group questions that should be, I think, are they in the packet, Rose? Okay. Okay. So let's break up into our small groups, and thank you for allowing me to share this morning.